Welcome to episode 87 of the Mo Terrific podcast. Oh, look, we're doing a proper intro. Usually, <laughs> we're, usually we're blathering on. Sorry for our delays, but, uh, you know, between traveling and having fun and, you know, having lives, we... Uh, yeah, we, <laughs> and Christy finishing work at like 6 or 7 yeah. o'clock Pacific time, and that being you, pretty uh, much like 10 for Joanne is yeah, kind of tough. Yeah, yeah, got to pay your mortgage, got to pay your rent, you know, so that we can have places to record. So we apologize oh, for that. scenario, stealing my friend's poster. Are you still out of Wi-Fi? Are you still out of I Wi-Fi? Just, I just decided I don't want it. Oh. Well, if you don't need it, I mean, I don't I go home and I don't, like the only thing, seriously, no, he's out it. of town this weekend celebrating his birthday because we celebrated last weekend and the only reason really why I was like, um... So since you've already seen the seasons like two or three times, can I just put you out of your misery and me waiting indefinitely and just binge watch the rest of Narcos because I need to see the rest of this show. So you're not at home right now. No. So I'm after we record, I'm literally watching the rest of the season of Narcos because it has been months and I've got like two or three episodes down. It was so good. You're killing me. I can't wait. Like once every three weeks I watch one episode. I'm dying. So there, there is that reason that I would like to have it, but see, I go home and I do things other, like I've been reading a lot, which is great. I have not been writing a lot, but I've been reading. So I've, if you don't need internet, then Hey, whatever. But at some point we, you will need some regular internet so we can record regularly. So as long as there's that, well, I've got office. I usually poke from the office and do that as well. This is just convenient because now I can go get a lot of really good food and put my feet up and kick back and watch Narcos until like 2 o'clock in the morning. Right. Because <laughs> that's, that's what we do on a Friday. Um, so we've got a lot of recalls <laughs> to catch and up some on. some stories. Not, not to get yes. too far away from this thing called motorcycles and the point of our yes. podcast. But um, uh, so recalls. Um, there are quite a few. Uh, starting with uh, Honda in the U.S. recalling the Grom and Ooh. the Forza, which is a scooter, um, for fuel pump issues. So there's some sort of bracket inside the fuel pump, which is made of resin, and it might swell and cause the pump impeller to seize. Now, resin, I'm not sure whether or not, see, if these are made outside of the country and outside of the country doesn't have ethanol issues, ethanol may or may not be the factor for the the resin issues. But anyway, um, I'm not going to go into detail about that. They don't talk about that. So if you have a Grom, and they're about... Let's see, recall affects 2014-2015 model year machines. If you have a Grom, please contact your local dealership. Get that squared away. Also, Ducati North America is recalling a number of its Diablo cruisers for Mm -hmm. a final drive pulley issue. Um, not tightened sufficiently at the factory in Bologna. That recall affects over 1,400 units manufactured between July 2015 and June 2016. I can tell you uh, two people put together the Diablo. Um, a single person puts together uh, one of the uh, Panigales 
and two people are on the assembly line for each Diablo made. So literally, the way Ducati has their factory set up is that the two people who are on these log in the VIN. And so if you were to take the VIN and go to Ducati and Bologna, which obviously I don't think they're going to supply you with this information, they can tell you the two techs who worked on it. So if they start having issues, they can go back and run the VIN against the personnel to determine whether or not there's any sort of link. You know what I mean? So it's kind of interesting uh, the way they have that set up. If you're ever in Bologna, by the way, stop by the factory. It's kind of neat to watch an assembly line, especially, obviously, one with motorcycles. Um, so anyway, the, the final drive pulley issue... Very, very, very dangerous. Uh, may cause loss of power to the rear wheel. And uh, Ducati dealerships will be installing uh, some parts to fix that. Um, free of charge, of course. If you have a Diablo, please contact your Ducati dealership. Um, also on the recall list is the Aprilia Tuono and the Capanord. Mm. Um, that affects 2014-2015 Tuonos. Uh, 2016 V4, the 2015 Capanord, and the 2016 Capanord Rally. So that's between 2013 manufacturing and 2016. Um, air getting into the brake lines could cause an increase of stopping distance. So, hence the safety hazard. Um, Aprilia and Piaggio should be contacting you. If you have a motorcycle that falls under that, time frame you might want to give your dealership a call have them run the VIN. also on the recall list are the bmw uh single uh g650 gs and the g650 gs or tau so those are, are manufactured dates march 2013 to october 2015 1400 motorcycles affected um a software issue in the bike's ecu uh might cause the motorcycle to stall so if you have uh, that, please contact your BMW dealership, and they will run your VIN. And uh, that's pretty much everything I've flagged for recalls. Um, other news. The BSA, British brand, uh, was bought by Mahindra, uh, which is an Indian motorcycle manufacturing company. Wait, do you remember what, what BSA stands for? I forgot. Uh, no, but... Uh, if you're I'm not gonna... familiar with BSA, it's a very classic oh. brand. Birmingham um, Small Arms Company. Yes, because I think they started out making guns. Much like Royal Enfield and did. ammunition. So they're they're not really popular here because they're really like a... I guess you would call it just a niche cafe yeah. brand, like Norton. Ni 1930s to 1970s. Yeah. Uh, Mary, she used to ride a BSA. Yeah? Mm-hmm. Um, well, actually, it's a little bit earlier than the 1930s. Where did they get that information mm -hmm. from? See, the thing with Wikipedia is that it's not from a single source. It's from many sources. Yeah, we can Google, um, Google a little bit. Because if they have models from 1919, certainly not a 1930s brand. Um, yeah, they had some uh, some twins up to 1,000, just under 1,000 cc. Mm -hmm. And then uh, smaller models down to about 250 Um but yeah, the, the B-series single-cylinder models, 250, 350, 500. After World War II, only 350 and 500 cc were continued. 
But uh, yeah, I know I'm familiar with quite a few BSAs, uh, the Bantam mostly, and I love their uh, symbols. Some of their, um, what do you call it? Uh, their tank badges. Love mm-hmm. BSAs. So uh, it'll be interesting to see what happens there. Um, plenty of Indian motorcycle manufacturers have created alignments um, with larger brands such as BMW, such as KTM. Um, I, I can't say for sure. I don't think Ducati works for works with them, works with a uh, Indian manufacturer, but I could be wrong. Um, so yeah, it'll be interesting to see, uh, how that, um, how that changes things. Uh, they bought it for 4.1 million. That's it. Wow. Well, I mean, hmm. I mean, yeah. BSA was only in name and maybe, uh, you know, maybe, um, intellectual property, but, uh, at the moment, you know, BSA is only making money off of the, use of the name mm. in like probably fashion and t-shirts and yeah. um you know consumer yeah. materials so licensing um it, it hasn't made a lot of money because they're not currently manufacturing so four four million is probably a deal um but yeah we'll see how that works out hey didn't aim expo happen while we were gone too i think it did yeah yes and did. They, they had some bike launches think they had a couple of revamped r6 yeah product announcements it looks like the a grom competitor came out from a chinese company oh Um, yeah like a little 150 leafon i bet you it's taiwanese or something but it's a little 150 cc little single cylinder like a grommy it's a little mini bike uh Hmm. with you know street tires it's 20.99 no idea where you would purchase that but their website is american L-I-F-A-N dot com. Here, I'll send you a link to this article from our friends at Motorcyclist Online. They did a little, like, top ten overview of stuff that they uh, saw at the expo. Um, top ten products. So, a bunch of random things from cable luber to new bikes to, looks like, you know, brake pads and just kind of a random assortment of, of products hmm. that they found there. That's tiny. Um, you know, I I have to blame Jensen for the explosion of blank and blank, you know, blank and blank this, blank and blank that, you know, there's mm-hmm. like, I, f- I think he started the trend, you know, iron and air, Oh, you know, blah and blah. He started it. A trend. He started it because even with food restaurants, Not quite a trendsetter. bank and biddle, you know, it's blank and blank, fox and hound, whatever. So <laughs> they showed a photo of uh, t-shirts from scotch and iron apparel you know yeah, i've heard of them just the <laughs> seaweed and gravel yeah right just the how's your how's your husband's uh hipster <laughs> name generator coming along it's still there i don't remember i honestly i forgot what the thing is i'm sure it still gets a ton of hits yeah um i have to see if it's still run. <laughs> it's probably still running we'll post a link to it if i can find it but it yeah. was your personal hipster name generator Accompanied by artful logo and um, a little background, like a little textured background for your new business venture. So you could generate a cool <laughs> hipster name for your restaurant, your coffee shop, your bike brand. Hipster name generator. Yes. And then after he made that, a bunch of other ones showed up. It's too bad we didn't put any ad revenues on there because it probably would make a million dollars by now. But I'll have to find it. I don't remember what the URL is for that anymore. 
Um, yeah, neither do I, but it was hilarious. It was really funny. But, um, yeah, so AIM had a bunch of random things. I I didn't really read up on a, a lot of the stuff that was there besides the, yeah, the uh, R6. And, uh, like, Cena had a couple of their product announcements there. Um, they have new stuff coming in the spring. If you're a Cena person or you want to be a Cena person and you ride a Harley or a Goldwing and you have your integrated system and you want to use your CB radio via Bluetooth. CB? To, yeah. There's a, there's a huge hardcore contingent of Goldwing and Harley riders out there who are still using CB radio networks. Um, and, or they just, they're using the integrated infotainment center. You know, if you buy a brand new Harley, you can buy the whole package. So they have their own, uh, you know, little software program on their dash for GPS and radio and phone. And, um, up until this product that Cena released called the free wire, if you go to Cena's website, Cena.com, you can look it up. It's called the free wire and it's a little Bluetooth transmitter. And now you'll be able to get your uh, audio from all the stuff on your Harley to your headset and back. So before it was, yeah, you could hear the stuff coming out of your Harley, but you couldn't talk back to it. And now you're going to get two-way communication. So this is going to be, I think, a big game changer for the Harley and uh, Honda folks who've been dying to use their head, their um, motorcycles wirelessly and flawlessly with their Cena headsets. So I think um, a lot of people will be excited about that. It's called the Cena FreeWire. And I think it's coming out. I don't know. if I know it's on our website right now. I can't remember what the, the availability date. I want to say it's actually available. But you need a cable. So you need a, the, a correct adapter cable for your Harley or your Honda. And as far as I know, as far as I saw, they're only making the cable for your Harley or Goldwing. So I have no information about a Can-Am or maybe other bikes that have this issue. So check that out if you're a Harley or Winger. Um, what else? Some new stuff from, you know, Climb and Force Field. I just love how all the brands yeah. are at the AIM Expo. Climb has helmets now. Yeah, they came out with, I think they partnered with... A bunch of helmets. LS2. I want to say it's LS2. It's it's a brand that makes pumps out helmets for a lot of people. And I think they made an adventure modular, like a carbon fiber adventure modular helmet so there's that because the whole adventure modular thing is the new helmet i guess so everybody's coming out with one i mean Um, they are the adventure brand um it's a transition face shield the k1r Mm -hmm. full face helmet by um the tk1200 which is a modular also has a transition shield Mm mm-hmm and, uh, yeah, supposedly it fits my awkward head head shape, so um, I might get hooked up with one of those. We'll see. I have not had a um, modular helmet since my shoe birth, so I'm, I'm in need. Do you really want a modular, though? You know, they're convenient. I don't use them all the time, but it, it is really nice to not have to rip off my helmet Every time I want to take a drink or eat, I I tend to drink and stay more hydrated and eat more snacks if I don't have to take my helmet off. Yeah, but you only yeah. do that. I mean, I mean, I only do that if I actually we're taking a break. Like we pulled over, we've stopped. We're gonna sure. take a rest. Yeah, I don't I don't do that while I'm riding. 
Right. So if you're Good already going to take a break and know you're going to take 15 minutes, you're going to take your helmet off. You're not going to keep your I helmet on. I don't because I am such a wreck under there that I don't want to take that thing off until we're done riding. Like, it is just, it's so unpretty. <laughs> well, you know, it's, I mean, it's, it's a compromise. It's a major compromise for just that 15-minute convenience. You know that. I know. Yep. And you can get a lighter, stronger, more awesome helmet in a full, smaller, small shell. The thing about that TK whatever 1200, it's one shell. It is huge. So if you are a small, it doesn't matter. You're going to wear the same size shell as a 2X. And it is ECE and DOT. That's nice. It is. It's nice to have more than a DOT. I'd at minimum, you want to wear an ECE helmet at least. You know, my prefer- personal preference is always Snell going forward. Um, mm-hmm. And I stopped wearing my shoe worth like two years ago. Mm-hmm. But shell size is the thing. If you're a small, extra small, you don't want to wear a helmet that's the same shell as an XL or a double. It's just Sure, they just uh, stuff it. Right, it's the that's EPS is, yeah, might vary in... It's just, it's big. And yeah, you could do the carbon fiber and it's lighter. But, you know, if you're thinking about a modular, you want to really think about what your priority is. And if you just have to have something that you can open, I'd personally recommend a a different option that has at least three shell sizes. And I think this Uh is really more important for the female listeners because I hate to break it to you, but females, you're more likely to be a size extra small or small than you will be a medium, large or XL. If Except for me, I've got a giant head. You don't have a giant head. You have a long oval. And so... Or we're a medium. Right, because you're a long... But you're definitely one of the exceptions. And the very <laughs> few, very, very few... Your very large head is an exception. Medium is not a very large head. Medium is medium. But you are very long oval. So that also pushes you toward um, very different helmets in that regard. But medium is not, not really a big helmet size. It's It's medium. It's like 58 centimeters. Um, but if you're, you're more likely an extra small, small out of 10 women, nine of us are extra small, small, very, very, very Mm. few of us are medium large. I've never met an XL with the exception of a couple women who had, um, they had dreads. So you have to fit your hair Uh, and that bumped them way up. And maybe one person who actually had an XL sized female head. So it's the shell sizes are, they make a big difference. They, you know, they make your helmet smaller, lighter, more aerodynamic, just just that, that kind of comfort. But um, I understand the need to have the modular. People want the, it's convenient and it is nice. Um, but everyone has to, you just kind of have to weigh like, you know, what, do you, what would you rather have? What's more important to you anyway? I would never recommend choosing a modular because you think it's more protection because it, it, mm, just, it just isn't. No. Plus, yeah, you have to. You're just picking. The more, in. Con- the more connection points you have, the more things that open and close. Yeah. You know, theoretically, the less. Yes, and uh, but I mean, there are certainly really, really good high-end modulars, and there's really, really good, uh, really terrible low ones. So, you just want to mm-hmm. be really careful when you when you choose one. I'd say avoid eighty-dollar ones. That's probably <laughs> safe. Don't yeah. spend eighty dollars on a modular. That's a really and don't buy it at Walmart. That's a bad idea. You know, you can buy a helmet at Walmart. You can buy a little motorcycle uh-huh. helmet for a hundred dollars at Walmart. <laughs> we were like shopping online for something. Like we can buy, you can buy a motorcycle helmet, and it's just called like motorcycle helmet. It's not a brand. It's not like HAC or anything. It's just motorcycle helmet. 
for a hundred dollars. Um, but, um, so simple yeah, enough. yeah, <laughs> too simple almost. So I had lots of fun things to, to, uh, to show and I, they're, aren't they moving, right? They're moving to Ohio. Yes, they're moving to Columbus. So Columbus. next year, in 2017, AIM Expo yeah. will be in Columbus. Yeah. They researched markets. They researched uh, dealer locations, yep. high-volume dealers, and mm-hmm. found that Columbus was within a 500-mile range or like a couple hundred-mile range mm-hmm. of like over 500 of their biggest like dealers Sure. in the Midwest. And it's kind of dead center almost. Yeah. That's um, nice. It's not like so way So it's a closer this, flight yeah. than going out to Orlando. And oh, then yeah. the following year in 2018, it's going to be in Vegas. Yeah, that's going to be, we have to go, I have to go there. I'm going to oh, commit to going yeah, to Vegas. Do. I'm going to commit. Uh-huh. We're going to meet there. You should, uh, well, you could fly to <laughs> Vegas or you could just fly to LA and we'll ride out. I'll try. I'll try to do that. But at the very minimum, I'm going. I should put this in my calendar right now so I don't forget. Yeah, 2018. Vegas, baby, Vegas. Yeah. Because they're trying to link it up with um, Supercross and some other cool stuff. So you've got like a barrage of activities to all schedule around. If it was back to back with SEMA, that'd be cool. And and uh, and that's right. It's usually October. So I'm going to put it on my calendar for October 1st, Mm -hmm. 2018. And that way, at least I just have it on my. I'll just put it in there for all month until I find out what the date is. But there we go. Going to Vegas. Sounds great. Mm-hmm. Totally. Awesome. Yeah, some definitely want to hit that up. So Google, yeah, do some so Google. We'll, we'll post a link to this No Motorcyclist Online uh, article, but you'll find a lot of info about um, AIM and all the different people that went there and um, all the different stuff they saw, bikes, uh, gear, everything. Um, also, ICMA, if, uh, if you haven't heard of ICMA, which is like the largest motorcycle showcase mm-hmm. uh, that is held every year in Milan and the years that Intermont isn't running, I think ICMA is actually bigger. It's the um, oldest one too. Yeah, the oldest. Mm-hmm. Um, not this year, but next year will be the 75th anniversary of the show, but it's oh. over. The, the company, the organization, which is actually more than just motorcycles it covers two-wheel transport as a whole so hmm. there's a whole bicycle contingent oh. of ICMA hmm. um, that I believe is ANCMA A-N-C-M-A hmm. so but the umbrella is the ICMA group so so they manage every single motorcycle event or at least are a part of and have an eye on every motorcycle event unlike the U.S. which is basically like a free-for-all and and um no single group like you know you have AMA that manages some of the races under their you know umbrella and then you have like these um cross country tours and rallies that are totally separate and individual those guys are they have they have their hands in everything hmm. so they're a very busy group of people hmm. um they are also the people that sponsored and put together the trip that I went on hmm. so the trade and press days are on November 8th and 9th which is hmm. what Tuesday Wednesday you think uh, right today's the 4th is yeah so tuesday wednesday okay i don't know what day um oh daylight savings tomorrow trade and press days yeah don't forget uh fall uh fall backward get an extra hour um trade and press days are on november 8th and 9th consumer days are on november 10th to the 13th 
I have a friend that's uh, heading out there. Actually, well, my press friends are heading out there this weekend, but I have a friend that's going to go to the ICMA show, and then afterward, there's supposedly nearby some huge swap meet, like the motorcycle swap meet to end all swap meets. Hmm. And if you really like what you see and you buy a bunch of motorcycles, you put together a uh, shipping container. <laughs> what? And you throw as much crap as you possibly can, shove it in the shipping container, and then happily wait for your shipping container to arrive. <laughs> so he has uh, the full purchasing power, if she, if he should see something interesting, to potentially fill a shipping container. Okay. So, well, there's isn't a lot that of fun, fun stuff there. Yeah, yeah I know. I kind of wish I could just pop along for the ride. The invite was there, but, you know, my timing was not... Um, yeah. So we'll have that information, but but again, if if you haven't, you know, if you can't make it, obviously join join the rest of the group. But um, uh, just as a heads up, you will see a deluge of new model releases mm-hmm. because this is uh, as much as Intermont also and um, a couple of shows within Japan and China are also pretty exclusive for those brands to launch um, products. But Eichma is like the grandfather of them all where people do a lot of releases. So yeah. major manufacturers, KTM and Ducati, to name a few, um, are going to have some, some unveils. So keep your eyes posted to the interwebs. Um, next time we record, hopefully won't be longer than two weeks, but... Uh, you know, maybe you'll see another episode before Turkey. Um, we'll try to do a recap on all the models. Um, you will also, will also, will I'll also be going to IMS, which should not have any unveils. But wait, did you say you're ha- going to Turkey? No, no, no. I said maybe we can push out another episode before Turkey, meaning what? Thanksgiving. Oh, I'm like, tell us about this trip. All right. No. <laughs> Not, not, not turkey the place, turkey the food. <laughs> Got it. Got it. All right. And then IMS is also uh, Media Days on the 18th, and IMS in Long Beach is on the 19th and the 20th. So um, we'll also have that to cover. So lots of new motorcycle model chatter, I think, by the next time we record. Should be interesting. Maybe we'll try to nail down an episode on the 19th or the 20th. Yeah, when it, so um, Long Beach is next weekend? No. When is Long Beach? Two weekends. It's in two weekends, so it's the 19th, Mm 20th. 19th and 20th. Okay, so theoretically, yeah, we should be back 19th. Yeah, we should, I'll be around. I mean, I'll be here 20th, 21st, so. Perfect. We could try to put something together. That's, oh, that's the week of Thanksgiving. Got it. Uh, Week after is Thanksgiving. Mm, Really? 24th? No, Mm -hmm. 24th. Yes, exactly. 18th, 19th, and 20th is okay. a Friday, Saturday, Sunday, and the following uh, Thursday, Friday is the Thanksgiving break. My friend from college that I'm staying with for Thanksgiving, um, I need to follow up on, on that arrangement, but he just came out with, uh, let me see if I can find it on the interwebs. Um, he just came out with a scooter. So he did an, like an, electric, hmm. uh, an electric skateboard. Nice. And um, that was a pretty good seller. And now, supposedly, he has a scooter. Hmm. And the scooter sounds really interesting. So I'm quite interested uh, in <laughs> getting a hold of one of his products to mess around with. Oh, well, yeah, report back. Report back. 
Yeah, he's like, are you sure it's not a motorcycle? I'm like, am I sure? <laughs> Please, my friend came up with pretty kick-ass technology. Of course I want to ride that thing. Come on now. Why not? All over it. You just won't go over as, as far, but whatever. Yeah, it's uh, it's got about a 100-mile uh, charge. Nice. And a top speed of um, 30. Hey. And uh, for those in the Bay Area, which is, you know, where his company is based, it's a pretty good test market for um, for commuting within the city. So you live within the city, you commute within the city, you're obviously not taking on a freeway. Yeah, yeah, but, um, just around town. You know, as, as Joanne can tell you from firsthand experience, and I can tell you from just having an excellent way of words, scooters are the gateway drug to motorcycling. That's right. I actually rode a scooter for the first time in... That's copyrighted, by the way. Don't be thinking about taking that. <laughs> That's right. I invented it. Hello. Uh, you invented it? Oh. I went, I went, I've been saying I that since... That was, that was my wordsmithing. I've been saying that since I rode one. Like, after I transitioned. Like, it's... I've always thought... I've always felet that way. I've always told people that and that's that's we'll how i get started the copyright for that fine split the royalties <laughs> we'll have to work out a deal <laughs> um actually i might have it somewhere uh written someplace in a blog post <laughs> or something but i rode like one this. last week i borrowed my girlfriend's scooter she bought a little buddy it's genuine scooter company they're actually a really oh, yeah, great yeah, scooter mm, they're great it's a, i think a taiwanese brand they're distributed all over the united states they have a great dealer network very good brand, very reliable brand, genuine scooter company, and it's the Buddy, and they have a 50 and a 150, and she bought a little 50, because her commute's like three miles, and um, she was bicycling, but, um, you know, this gets her to work a little faster, mm -hmm. um, and I borrowed it to go to lunch down the, really down the street through the Navy Yard, and uh, I forgot how just crazy unstable, not un just uh how loose the suspension is on a little 50 cc scooter it's like you're on this giant skateboard with teeny little wheels in the very middle and it's just it's kind of you're kind of wobbling the whole uh you're just not as steady as you are on a yeah, I'm sure my ride's going to feel pretty awkward, but we'll have to check it out. <laughs> it's it's fun though. It's its own kind of fun. It's a different experience. It's definitely it's just something that's different, but it's it is fun and um you know the brakes are terrible, you know, it's like drum brakes and tiny wheels and but it's it is fun. There's storage. I you know, I got to the cafeteria and they put the helmet under the seat and the gloves and then I just you know, left it there, locked it, walked in, got my lunch, sat down for a little bit. It was great. But, uh, yeah, I think I'm good. I think I'm good now for for a few years. <laughs> kind of terrified me. I'm just glad there really wasn't a lot of traffic. Like, I wasn't out in mass traffic at all. This was within the Navy Yard in Philadelphia, which is, uh, it was naval property, and now it's kind of split up to where there's still naval uh, presence there but there's also private businesses like uh, like us and tasty cake factory and other businesses around so it's just this one little it's a tiny little road it's an access road so there was very little traffic on it i honestly would be terrified though to ride a little 50 cc now in traffic 
because mm, it's, yeah. it, I can't go fast enough and it, and it would just scare the crap out of me. But, but, uh, you know, it's an efficient little sucker and certainly great for getting around, you know, your neighborhoods can't, uh, can't go wrong with a scooter. What's his company? Do you know the name of it? Yeah, totally Cali. And I just looked <laughs> on, yeah, so I know. Laugh. No, that's so totally. Funny. That's so cute. Totally, man. Nice. Um, it's awesome electric yeah yeah very nice so i will try to get on him i just looked at the uh just looked at their website they haven't updated it yet oh oh, we got to get to these reader emails you said there were a few we had a few emails right didn't we have a few emails come in to the site while we were out we need to address those don't we oh there i go losing you again my bad so yes uh segment suggestion since we did reach out in the last couple of podcasts hey if there's something that you're interested in please by all means yes let us know so steve writes in uh why did you choose your bikes i have a suggestion for a segment for each of you to describe why you purchased your current bike and what else you considered and what modifications you had to make anything else that's important also feel free to share Steve rides a 2016 Indian Springfield. Ooh. He got it in uh, March. I got to remind myself the new model, the new Indian models. I'm not as familiar with. Um, he got that bike back in March. He already has over 5,000 miles on it. So nice. kudos. Um, Let's see. Uh, love love the bike. Love cruisers. This was an in-between. It has bags and a windshield, but not fully fared. Um, Harleys look very similar and haven't changed for a long time, in Steve's opinion. So the mm-hmm. Indian was fresh and has a lot of nice modern tech. Yeah. And, yeah. Uh, yeah, actually, that looks a lot like the bikes that I rode, except it has heart bags. So yeah. very similar to what I've already is... been on. The Springfield's like that classic cruiser. It's not, it mm-hmm. doesn't have a huge touring like dashboard. It's just, it's very classic with a decent windscreen, but it's not like you're behind a car, you know, dashboard. It's not that big, mm-hmm. um, but it's beautiful. It's classic. And yeah, like he said, modern, right? Modern technology, mm-hmm. but in this disguise of a classic beauty and how nice. Yeah, um, reminds me a little bit of the vintage, except with hard bags. Mm-hmm. So, uh, so that... I think it's more or less the same the same bike structure, but they changed the name when they nuke the windshield mm-hmm. or nuke the hard cases or add them. Does that is that the one that has all the tassels? <laughs> Which one uh, am I thinking of? That the has vintage like... might have had the tassels. It was like all leather trim, like tan leather bags, and tan leather yeah. trim. Yeah, the vintage. And the vintage has the tassels, and they're removable. Tassels. By the way, <laughs> I did ask about you, that. Why would you remove them? They're just a, they're fully a part of that bike. So I pretty. A, I was a jerk, and I did ask about that. I was like, <laughs> "Dude, the tassels? Seriously?" He's like, "Oh, you can take them off." Well, um, it's probably you have to be in the mood. Do I feel like tassels yeah. today or next? The fully fared is the chieftain. <laughs> well, so, but oh, yeah, you should answer so, his question. You, you go first. Yeah. Um, well, my latest purchase <laughs> being the uh, the Triumph T100 um, was kind of related to the fact that when I rode the Bonneville in India, 
um, which was a fuel injected. So um, the most recent, I well, before they did the model change. So we're talking 2015 was before they did the total redesign. Um, so a 2015, and um, I just, I, I mean, obviously in India and, and where I was riding in Rajasthan, everything was a little bit of road mixed with off-road. I mean, I just didn't necessarily think, oh, today I'm going to do some off-roading. It was just, uh, I need to get from this point to this point, and this seems to be the best road and the most, like, efficient way and seems kind of cool. And then I would be on it, and then it would turn to, like, dust. <laughs> so um, nice. I was kind of surprised with how well I was able to handle that bike off-road. Um, and And not so much, like, kind of a cruiser like it's not a low 26 inch seat height or anything like that but i think the mass being a lot lower than the bmw i don't know somehow like made me feel a little bit more confident tearing things up so um while i wouldn't necessarily ride my t100 at the moment uh in the dirt the reason why i got that particular bike like obviously i wanted a bonneville so I wanted a Bonneville. I did not want a new Bonneville. Um, Wait, because was that I didn't... aesthetics driven or just the experience in India? I think it was experience. I mean, I've hmm. always been kind of a fan of the aesthetic, but um, experience driven. So I was like, you know, that bike's kind of cool. I think I want one of those, but I don't need to get a new one. And of course, now nowadays, uh, the last year was the total redesign, and then this year they've got a bunch of tweaks, including a bobber, which that also happened while we were out. So there's a couple brand new models, and so um, cute. And your uh, your not Daytona. Uh, what was it? The was it a Speed Triple or what was one of the sport bikes? It was like a 600. 600 something. Well, there's only the Daytona or the Street Triple. I don't think there was any updates to it though. Okay, well, the Daytona went, I think the Daytona went by the wayside, and now they have a Daytona 800. They have something where they they turned, they upgraded the engine size from like a 5 or a 6 to an 8. And when the bike starts up, and it's a sport bike, and when the bike starts up, it sounds exactly like the Tiger. <laughs> so um, I'm, I'm not sure how it rides. I can tell you how it starts no, up. The, the Daytona is still a 675. Um, they actually didn't change that. Not there is a new, yet. there is a new Daytona, I think. Then oh. that's if, or is, what's your speed triple? Well, the speed is a ten fifty five, and, and never mind street triple. And the street is six seventy five because the street is okay. just the Daytona. It's a street. It's a street triple, and it's not a six seventy five. It's a street triple, and it's an eight hundred. Oh yeah, I think that's coming out next year. Right. Yes, and I've yes, yeah. and that that was one of the releases that they did in addition to the bobber. Yes. So they have a, a bobber with a, a single shock, a mono shock, and there's a bit of a reach on that bike when you sit on it, so you're kind of stretched out. But I mean, that's the nature of that particular kind of uh, style of motorcycle. Um, it's really interesting looking. It's like a major departure from anything that they currently have. Um, you know, that's usually something that a bike gets chopped into becoming. So at any rate, sorry to sidetrack into Triumph stuff, but, um, I, I knew I wanted a Bonneville. And then when I thought about it, I'm like, well, I don't want an expensive one or go new. 
And I don't want one with fake carbs that's fuel injected because I can't quite <laughs> wrap my head. Like my interpretation, which is probably sexist, uh, according to some, on the Triumph Bonnevilles, at, I think the 2008 mark was when they stopped making them at Hinkley and started making them in Thailand because I think that was the border between uh, carb versus fuel injected. Mm. I think that was when they changed plants. But... Um, I look at the 2008 and beyond models that are fuel injected as being the Newport Beach version of uh, of the Triumph Bonneville because um, they've got a lot of bolt-ons in Newport Beach. <laughs> Everything looks legit until you figure out that it's not. So I, I wanted a legit Hinkley carbureted Triumph hmm. so we can rule out a certain number of years and then scroll back from, like, say, 2001 to 2007. And then in particular, I like having a tack. So that means that the T100, which was also convenient because quite a few, if not most, of the just Bonneville and not T100 models have the, um, they don't have the spoke tire. They've got mm. the, I can't remember. Tubed? Um, no, all of them are tubed, but oh. it's the difference between the spokes versus, and I can't remember the damn name for the wheels but at any rate i like spoke wheels hmm. so now we have a you know mid 2000s uh, t100 that's got attack and spoke wheels and then i particularly in that area like the orange and white so there is one year <laughs> that hit all of those points and my friend works for triumph uh he's a, a mechanic um does all of their uh their press loans and uh, some of their video. I'll try to dig up the brand new video that they did in the dirt um, out in Utah. It's a pretty cool video, actually. I'm not going to lie. Um, was not involved in it, so you don't have that bias for that reason. But uh, needless to say, it was pretty cool. So I'll, I'll put a link on that in the podcast. But um, but that was how I came across the uh, the current bike because he went out, sourced one for me, and I nice. got a great deal. Um because, of course, you know, it's Mickey. So, Steve, that is why <laughs> I have what I currently have. I just did a road trip without incident going up to Sacramento for work. I can tell you that not having a windscreen is uh, it's it's a good thing and it's a curse. It's it's a good thing to not have a windscreen because it seems losing a windscreen between the BMW and the Bonnie, um, I I don't have as much of an issue with the wind hitting me at an angle. I can still feel it and it's still a little bit noisome because the the way that bike tracks is totally different than the BMW, but. Um, I have a feeling like the windscreen, when the wind hits the windscreen on the BMW, it throws me everywhere. But without having a windscreen on the Bonnie, mm -hmm. I seem to fare better in the wind. Mm -hmm. There's also a mass displacement issue as well. But um, the part where you lose is when you have a headwind. <laughs> so so well, I think I gained some neck muscles and uh, definitely yeah. considered getting a massage when I came home because my my neck was uh, pretty pretty sore from yeah. having to like just not fly backwards. Tuck but, and, uh, you know, pretend yeah. you're on a Daytona just for a little bit. Get yeah. to a little tuck there, you know. Yeah. Unfortunate yeah, so... to be short enough. 
that's that's how I uh, that's the story of my motorcycle. Please, Joanne, tell us about Goldie. Mm-hmm. Um, so you, I, everyone probably knows. So I have a 2012 Street Triple R, and I've wanted that bike for six years. I think I think my first test ride on one was 2010. I want to say I did a Triumph, brought their demo truck to the Mission in San Francisco, which is a place you don't bring a semi full of motorcycles because there's nowhere to park them. And it's Hmm. just, you know, it's a densely populated, high traffic, you can't find parking place location for a dealer, but um, the dealer is there, Monroe Motors. And um, they closed off a part of the street and laid out all the bikes, the demo bikes, and you could take them for a test ride. And it was the first time I test rode one. Um, He didn't have one yet. That was before he bought, I think it was just before he bought one, or maybe he had the Sprint at that time, and I just had the SV, I, but I knew I wanted one. I rode it, and I knew I, wa- I want this, I'd buy it today if I had 10000 I think at the time it was like $8,000, you know, plus out the door or whatever, if I, if I had $10,000, I'd buy, I'd buy this, and uh, I've always wanted one in the back of my mind, but I really couldn't afford one until we moved here. Because after we moved here, I got a better job, made twice as much money, and uh, could afford a nicer bike. So even, uh, although even when we moved here, I I bought the SV because it was just a little bit cheaper up front. So my main reason for buying that bike was to get away from the aggressive stance of the SV650S, which is a full, you know, race bike position. So I wanted something upright and I wanted something that handled like a race bike because I really am a sport bike driven person. I, if I could, if I had the, if I was fit enough, I'd be riding a race bike as a, as an everyday bike. And I would tour on it. I'd go 500 miles a day on one. If I had the physical ability to, and stamina and abs to, and you know, and muscles to hold that kind of body position. But I know I can't. So the street triple. I don't know. You're doing lots of workouts, man. I mean, you're getting better. It's yeah. Yeah. I'm definitely better than where I was a year ago, two years ago, for sure. But you're kicking um, my ass in the fit department. (laughs) But now I love that bike. Fit to be tied. Yeah. I, I, I'm definitely more fit now than I was, but, um, I don't feel the need to like get rid of it and buy a Daytona. It's yeah, it's I, I I've certainly fallen in love with this bike and the position. So my key requirement was I wanted the position, the comfy position and the handling because it's really hard to balance the two. And then the third important piece for me was ergonomics because I could have bought a Ninja 1000. I could have bought uh, a lot of other bikes that are naked and upright. Um, but the way that a street triple is, is put together in terms of the tank is skinny and long, not wide and short, uh, like, the uh, Evans bike. So the ergonomics mm-hmm. completely change. They have the same seat height, but I have a completely different experience on his bike than mine. So it just fit me really well. And, um, and it had 30% more power than what I had. So I wanted a little more power, but I, I don't need 140 horsepower. Like I don't, you know, the SV had 68, which was, you know, it's a good mid-range, but I wanted a little more, but I didn't, I don't need like 
the most horsepower. So it was a good, sensible middle of the road because I jumped up to 100. So that means I had a little more get-go on the freeway, which is nice. But um, it just had that combination of things that I wanted. And uh, it's, so far, it's worked out great. I, I love it. I love it. It's, it's basically my dream bike. Um, I, you know, at times, I do miss the windscreen and the fairing. So next year, I'll, in the spring, I'm probably going to put a little, like, pooge a little fly screen maybe just a little one just so I can get something just I need just a little something because um I do so much more slab here than I than I want to do just to get out of the city and or if I'm out riding all day and I want to get home in less than four hours um which is what it would take to take all back roads to get home so sometimes I have to jump on the interstate for like 40 minutes just so I can get home faster and, um, you know, the bike's just not, it's not, it's, it's fine. It works, you know, it works okay. I'm certainly, am faring well on it, but it'd be nice to have a little, just a little wind buff would be great. Hmm. You know, just something. But, um, I do foresee myself having it for a while, unless I come into a lot of money and then I may have to. You wouldn't need to sell her. You just hang on to her. <laughs> right. If I came to a lot of money, I would buy maybe buy something else to have with it. But uh, right now, it, it does everything I need it to do. I, I can do all my trips. I can do all my touring. It carries exactly as much crap as I need. 40 liters of junk. That's all I need. I don't need... I don't camp. I like motels. I'm a huge fan of Best Western. So I don't... <laughs> <laughs> I I don't need cargo. I don't need a tent. I don't need anything like that. I just need storage to, you know, for my clothes and things. So it's it's really quite perfect for everything I need. It does what I want it to do. And um I don't see myself selling it for a very long time. If anything, yeah, like Christy said, maybe buy another bike. Although I think our next bikes I'm hoping are going to be little 125s or maybe 200 cc dual sports that we can trailer on the jeep and uh yeah. drive somewhere like drive someplace and go riding maybe just dirt bikes because there's no way that i want to buy a like 300 cc dual sport bike to like slab on to go riding in the dirt and on the and on the flip side the last thing i want to do is buy like an f800 gs just so I can get on the freeway to go and try to get off into some trails, which I can't ride because this 550-pound bike is in my way. So like I, I thought that my next transition would be a big adventure touring bike of some sort, but I don't think so. I just don't. I don't think so. I'm far more excited about the possibility of like a DR200, you know, just something skinny and light and super fun in the dirt and you know on some trails and with minimal minimal freeway riding you know that's i think that's what we're going to try to plan for next mm -hmm. year or maybe the year after yeah because there's so much dirt over here and pine barrens and just really fun places to go ride off off into the woods but um yeah wow that's how i found my goldie oh and i found goldie on craigslist where um everybody buys their bikes <laughs> Um, almost, almost. You've got a 
Unless you've got a mechanic with some sweet connections. Well, um, yeah. What, what, uh, did you do any height or seat related upgrades? I have not, by the way, to nope. answer that question, I have not touched anything other than to adjust the suspension. Um, just uh, because my suspension was aftermarket and adjustable and it came that way with the bike. Nice. Cause it comes stock with a, it doesn't come with a fully adjustable suspension, right? Uh, you know, I don't know what the springs are like that that nice they come with. Um, but me too with suspension. The only other, um, I mean, I Evan bought me that Olin's shock and I had it resprung. I, I basically traded in uh, my shock for a softer spring, but I I got another TTX shock. So they have multiple shocks. They have like their racing one, which has all the adjustability, compression, rebound. And, um, uh, what's the other word I'm looking for? Compression, rebound, and that. Whereas the cheaper shocks, you can only do, uh, like compression and rebound. So it has the full adjustability. That's the biggest thing I did to it. Because if you're a hundred and if you're less than a 150 pound person, the stock shock on a street triple is sprung for a 160 pound man. Hmm. So it's going to be stiff, even if you adjust the preload. Well, I, although I bought, I bought the R, so I did buy the fully adjustable model. But even when that was set as low as low in terms of the spring rate as possible, it was still too stiff for me. It was still, it's still a shock set for a hundred and sixty pound man, not me. Mm-hmm. So it just what it was better. It was a little softer, but it's not nearly as good as my Olean's, which is set for me and my little body. Um, that that made the, the biggest difference. Other than that, I put crash bars on it. Around Engine Guard SW Motec. Fantastic. And then I put... Um, I think that's all I really put on there. Oh, the exhaust. I did uh, ditch the stock exhaust because the stock exhaust weighed 20 pounds and it was twin undertail so two pipes under the seat and um, I got rid of that and bought a aftermarket competition works exhaust which only weighs three and a half pounds so I lost weight in addition to lost the heat because man after just five minutes of being warmed up I could feel my thighs like it was burning my butt and my thighs it was so hot um that's only running for like five, ten minutes. That wasn't even running, like sitting in traffic on a hot day, you know. But sitting in traffic on a hot freaking day, it was killing me. So I ditched the cans, the stock cans, and um, that was a really nice improvement too. Because now it just looks really clean. And after I took off the rear foot pegs, because passengers aren't allowed on my bike. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so now it looks really clean, and now it's really light. So... That's how I found my girl on Craigslist. Actually, awesome. this one, I should take that back. This is the second one because I crashed the first one. Um, which I think some of you will remember when I had my accident. Um, so I luckily found, I found the first one on Craigslist from a lovely gentleman who lived in New Jersey. And I found the second one at the dealer when I went to drop off the first one for repair estimate. And the second one was a consignment. I just got lucky. When I called there, I was like, Vince, I got to bring my bike in. And he's like, you know, I just got one in on consignment. And I thought he was joking with me. And he's like, no, I really did. I got one this morning. So I headed straight over. I gave him a deposit and I said, I'm buying it. 
<laughs> I bought it like a week later. Fate. Yep. Thank you. Uh, who is this? Was it Steve who emailed mm -hmm. us that question? Steve, you, Steve. Steve Otera. Thank you. And uh, I posted a screenshot of you uh, very excitedly talking about Goldie <laughs> on our Facebook well, page. I can't help. On our, oh, great for Facebook. I can't help it. I I love her. And when my when my buddy Joe, hi Joe. Hope I'm trying to look good, and then uh, um, Joanne's just got her hands up, and she's all <laughs> excited. Well, when I was. Oh, when my friend Joe was here visiting, he's like, you know, you talk about your motorcycle like I talk about tacos or something <laughs> like that. And I'm like, well, I love it. It's it excites me. I, you know, I love talking about bikes and I love my bike and it's it's the most amazing thing ever. And I love it. Of course, I'm ex mm -hmm. aren't you supposed to feel and that way? And if Philly had better tacos, <laughs> you'd probably talk about tacos just the same. Oh, they have really good tacos. They just don't have good burritos. Okay. It's just the burrito factor. Gotcha. Got to draw the got to draw the line there. So you know, I was just looking through, and and I don't know if this is the final list, but I guess we'll find out in a couple of weeks. Mm -hmm. um, the obviously this is IMS's last year before they re reinvent themselves, as I've been told. Um, Did they just this reinvent is the themselves? International Motorcycle Show oh. is dead after 2016, as far as I know. Well, they're but they have shows through 2017. Well, yeah, the 2016-2017 oh. year. Oh, oh, after oh. After that, mm. um, they're, they're done, and I think they'll be trying to reinvent themselves. Um, as far as the participating manufacturers, it's a, it's a short list. Um, KTM, which may include Husqvarna, since that brand owns Husky as well. Yeah. BMW, Yamaha, um, Cowie, uh Really, Indian Ducati and uh, Suzuki and Honda. No. Um, oh, and Royal Enfield and Victory. Mm -hmm. uh, no uh, No Triumph. I don't think Triumph was a part of them last year either. But, they were uh, in previous years. but You have uh, Cortec, Dainese, Climb as uh, an AGV, as Marketplace Vendors. Hmm. I don't see Revit on here. But again, this could be a list that hasn't been updated. I do see Bell Staff, so I'm really hmm. quite curious about that. Hmm. Um, definitely going to have a chat with those. But Cena and Chatterbox um, also join the group. So yeah, it'll be uh, it'll be interesting. It's always good times. Um, I think I'm finally going to meet your buddy Spurgeon since he's coming out to uh, to cover that event. Really? So yeah, wow. we're supposed to have, uh, well, he's already going to be out here. So oh. um, he and another friend from Canada are coming out to cover a press ride for Kawasaki right before. Mm. And I couldn't convince our Canadian buddy to stick around for a while. He's got work. But, um, mm. but yeah, so we'll, we'll have some interesting updates from that. Um, Fun. They're, they're also doing some sort of uh, women's event. And uh, unfortunately, I before we started this podcast, I didn't look it up. And Elisa is a part of it. And it's like a round table. And they have some test rides and some sort of uh, info. Hmm. Um, if we figure that out uh, prior to... Um, Prior to IMS, which is on the 18th, we will post that. Here, I found uh, it. I'll add it to the show notes. It's but, here. Uh, for sure, put it on our. 
It's the Beautiful Bikers Conference. It's um, presented by Indian Victory and Polaris. And it's, yeah, I'm um, not a huge fan of the name, but whatever. It's uh, presented by those bikes, and then it's basically hosted by uh, the editor and founder of Black Girls Ride magazine. Mm-hmm. So yeah, they're going to have sessions, some riding, um, but they're going to have some seminars there. I think she's doing some of the adventure, adventuring and long-distance riding panel stuff. Yep. So there's like some awards and a fashion show. Mm-hmm. So I, there's a Facebook event for it. Um, we'll post that. Yeah. So if you're in Long Beach, go check that out. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So shoot. What else we got? Uh, I got bedtime. Oh, MIC. <laughs> Okay, quick MIC overview. Just brief, you know, wrap-up of that show, which, I mean, the underlying theme... MIC, for you, if you don't know what that is, is Ah. the Motorcycle Industry Council, and it's an annual meeting of motorcycle industry people, so it's not like a consumer trade show or anything like that. No, not at all. It's it's, uh, OEMs that participate and pay into the MIC, uh, who conducts market research and marketing? Um, MIC also owns AIM. Correct. I wonder. They if... purchased AIM. Hmm. So AIM Expo and MIC are one and the same, as well as um, the BRC Rider Course is uh, also an extension of MIC, hmm. and Discover Today's Motorcycling DTM. So uh, lots of uh, media, motorcycles in the media are facilitated um, by MIC. So yeah, um, website for uh, motorcyclists, lots of information. Little known factoid, Joanne and I attended the 2013 symposium, and that was highly, um, highly, why am I, enlightening. Mm-hmm. I'm, like, I'm losing my words, I haven't had dinner. Um mm-hmm. And uh, and a lot of things that were talked about in 2013 were kind of reiterated again, I think, in 2016 um, to the point of social media being super critical. And if you're not on the, the bandwagon, um, you're probably a little late to the game because 2013 was like the rally, let's do this next year. And if you're not in by 2016, you've kind of lost. Mm-hmm. Um know a lot of their marketing now has shifted from you know you have to be on facebook but now snapchat and youtube are two of the bigger things uh short videos um Mm -hmm. that kind of visibility is what they're targeting or what they should be targeting and what they should be aiming for they're also talking about elasticity and price and where like the where the um the statisticians, if you will, um, the market economists kind of evaluate uh, where the perfect price point is, or at least a price point that people seem to gravitate to. And that was somewhere between the five and 10,000 range for a new bike. Um, don't have any of their uh, female riding stats available at the time at the symposium. But it's always good to uh, network a little and see people I haven't seen in a while because IMS is usually um, 
couple nights of partying and a day of media. And then after that, I just crawl under a rock for a couple of days because it's way too much like extrovert. And then I just need to jump the fence over to the introvert category and uh, take a couple of days. But, um, Mm -hmm. but we missed you. Sandy was there. It was nice seeing Sandy. That was a surprise. It's nice. Um, Sandy is the mother of adventure trio.com. If you are interested. Mother and wife. (laughs) Mother and wife. And, uh, they have and third party. Yeah. And um, yeah, if you're a family and you like writing together, check out adventuretrio.com. Or if you are interested in writing together as a family, you should definitely check out her website and yeah, their Facebook see how page. That's evolved. Hmm? Now, we're, now we're at a point where there are three bikes and not two anymore. I know. Yeah. And he's like eight feet tall and wow. Yeah. I, uh, God, I think he's taller than me. I'm not even kidding. He's so tall. Yeah. The kid is, he went from being like five to being Terry's like... not that Terry's not that much taller than me either so I think that Jack is going to spring <laughs> above both of them he hasn't finished growing yet like he's yeah, only a teenager yeah it's oh, pretty scary nice that's awesome but yeah Jack is the um social media photographer mm. slash mm-hmm. you know picking up all of the uh, new tricks nice but uh at any rate yeah so that, that kind of wraps it up for me well thank you for waiting everybody um oh yeah sorry about that yeah last weekend so i didn't throw cupcakes or tie him down and push cupcakes into his face much like some of the other guys did but i was uh with my friend at the track for his 40th birthday so i made a cool little cake that had these kick-ass motorcycle toys and uh (laughs) And I found a, a photo of him that was um, slightly embarrassing and uh, basically nice. took that into Photoshop, took his head off and uh, made um, kind of laminated a couple of heads and then used pipe cleaners to form a very uh, small stick figure and then attached the, the photo to the pipe cleaner to the motorcycles and then put like a track and candles a racetrack and candles across the cake and had a couple of those crazy looking um uh heads that are gonna give me nightmares just based on the expression that he had but uh it was a lot of fun we're out there with uh cycle news and pridmore and uh track days and it was cvma racing so uh you know some good embarrassment for marcus um who also had a great weekend because i'm sitting next to like six of his trophies as i record right now so needless to say that was the excuse as to why i was gone last weekend but um yeah hopefully we'll be able to dial it in 19th or 20th in the meantime visit us on our facebook page facebook.com slash motorific podcast and motorific.com and you can always send emails to the contact page there and we'll try to get back to you as quickly as we can. And if we missed you, just please send us an email and ask us why we didn't reply or why we didn't talk about you. Because we just sometimes these kind of fall away from us. Um, but we always want to hear from you. So in the meantime, we will see you in hopefully two weeks. And um, get some writing in before the winter comes. I'm going to try. And we'll talk to you then. <laughs> <Winter. sighs>